You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Suleen. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, then I'm actually quite pleased because this talk with Suleen embodies everything that the podcast is about. It's just two people talking, laughing, and learning about one another. And fuck, am I glad that I got to learn about this human being right here. Originally from South Africa, Suleen's had one hell of a life so far. From touring with brilliant musicians to composing music that you've definitely heard before, and all this while still working on her own solo music. We go into all of this during our talk with some special chatter about her reimagined EP, and yeah, man, what a life. This is the 405 Exchange with Celine. Enjoy. I saw on YouTube that you did a cover of Fire to the Ocean by Rx Bandits. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that was fucking cool as shit to see. <laughs> I, I love, that, I love that that's like your first thing you launched into. <laughs> yes, dude. Rx Bandits, they're my favorite band ever. Are they so, really? Yes. When I was, I think, I was either 14 or 15, but a friend of mine from Texas, like I met on a message board years ago on the internet, thank God for the internet, he like set me a link to download and the battle begun and that's yes. still one of the best albums of all time it's so good still when when i was living in south africa and i was still in high school i kind of got turned on to the whole like alternative rock prog rock thing and yeah. someone had made me remember cds and making yes. like mixed mix tapes but on cd for yeah. people and i would listen to it in my car and it was like what was on it portugal the man circus survive rx band it's like my mind was exploding oh like what is this music because it's not easy to find that kind of stuff in South Africa. So I had this one friend who kind of like turned me on to all of that stuff. That's so cool. And then in the years, I've done a couple of Rx Bandits covers, and um, Steve Choi, the guitarist, actually found them uh, years ago. Oh, yeah. And so we're like social media buddies at this point. No way. Every time he likes something, I'm still like, oh my god, <laughs> Rx Choi liked my Instagram post. That's so cool. There's a band that I know from Ireland that toured with them a while back. Uh, this band called it So I Watch It From Afar. Mm-hmm. And I know them. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I asked them about uh, Rx Bandits because I like, was so, so geeky about them. And I remember what they said about Steve is that he's like this massive foodie. Oh, yeah. Like, if you ever need any advice on food restaurants in the States, he has like an encyclopedia mind about food. Dude, that kind of person on tour is super useful because you just get to a new town and you're like, all right, we're in this place in Mississippi. Where should we eat? <laughs> I was just on tour with someone like that. And they're like, oh, I got like, what do, you, what do you want? Vegetarian? You want Indian? They just like have it ready. Those people are the best because I'm definitely the type of person on tour where my go to is either like a 7 Eleven or McDonald's. And I'm hoping oh, no. nobody notices. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's, I'm like, as you can see, I probably am not the healthiest when I'm in New York because I'm drinking Red Bull right now. <laughs> but but you also I'm just on... put a salad in the fridge, so that is quite healthy. Yes. If I ate it, it would be healthy, but I haven't <laughs> eaten it. Um, I had like a scone for breakfast. Um, but when I'm on tour, I try to eat really well, actually, so it's useful that 
people can try and look that stuff up. But yeah, our expanded. We went from salad to back to our expense. So. As we should. <laughs> so tell me this, particularly for music, when did it start for you? Um, man, since I can remember. Um, my mom is a, a classical pianist. Is so she? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't do that anymore, but that was her thing. And she's a violinist as well, super talented lady. So I I always tell tell people that I, uh, I don't actually know when it started because the piano, we have this beautiful baby brand Yamaha in back home in Cape Town. And it was just like another toy in the house for me growing yeah. up, you know. So I, I started on piano and then eventually my parents were like, you should probably take lessons. And I think for most kids when they're interested in music, by the time you get told to start lessons is when you're like, hmm, do I really want to do this shit? Because now I actually have to like work at it yeah. and I get told to do things. So that changed my relationship with music. And then that is when I picked guitar. <laughs> Because piano is difficult because it requires two hands, and that's difficult. How old were you when you picked up guitar? Uh, I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who has no reference of what it's like being from a musical family or a semi-musical family, I wonder if, like... Because hearing that, my head almost thinks, like, maybe when you pick up guitar, it's almost like a rebellious act within a home that has a piano. Is it like that at all? Dude, I think it's a little bit like that because (laughs) I'm really different from the rest of my family. But in like a good way, like we all get along. I'm not like rebelling against something I don't like, but yeah. you know, like I, I don't have any siblings, but I was really close to my cousins. I have a lot of female cousins now. Oh, that's like, awesome. Very feminine and like dressed like real ladies. And like growing up, it was like pink everything. And I was like, I want my room to be blue. So my entire <laughs> room was painted blue. Um, yeah, instead of like, it was just little things. I would always try and do the opposite. Like yeah. I didn't want to take dance lessons. I wanted to play soccer. And yeah, I didn't want to play piano, I wanted to play guitar. And the guitar thing was, there were definitely conversations, because I I come from an Afrikaans family. My parents are not super conservative, but beyond that, like my extended family and my grandparents, they are pretty strict about things. Yeah, like the culture there is quite like that, yeah. Yeah, so just to to give people uh, some kind of framework, there were definitely conversations about like isn't guitar like a male dominated <laughs> instrument or whatever and then when it when it became like clear to people that this might actually be a career path then the questions were again like isn't that a male dominated job you know so yeah. yeah that must have been what was so mind-blowing for you coming to new york because um my parents are french and uh they're not the most conservative people in the world but they definitely have some of those like mindsets from just being from such a culture yeah and what really i always wanted to be in new york when i was younger the city because i always thought like that must be like the apex where people don't think that way and it's one thing to think that but let's actually come here and see what it's actually like it's like i mean there's definitely like misogyny and things that run amok everywhere but i feel Mm -hmm. like the idea that like oh guitars are only for boys you wouldn't really hear that said here no that's what's so cool about new york you know I mean, I feel like all sorts of misfits and characters end up over here for that reason as well, because you can just do exactly what you feel you're supposed to. Do you say your parents are French? Yeah. Est-ce que tu parles français? I understand <laughs> better than I speak. Oh, okay. But I I'm, I'm not fluent by any means anymore, but that's really That was, that was way better than I would have been able to do it. I took a bunch of French <laughs> in high school. Yeah, I really should get better. They're, they're Haitian and French. My mom's family is, like, they both were raised in Haiti, but born and, like, have extended family in France. And my mom is from, side of the family is from Lyon, and my dad's family is from Marseille. And they very much act like it. That's sick, dude. Yeah. That's cool. 
but yeah so so coming to New York definitely I I've totally I totally feel just like free to do what I want to do and I still get sorts uh, some uh, strange questions sometimes when I'm home but like I said like my in my initial environment like my parents and my friends and everyone are like yeah. I mean they know me so well like they are super understanding of things but every now and then like I'll be out with my mom at some kind of posh whatever thing family <laughs> thing and she'll introduce someone she'll introduce me to someone and says my daughter she lives in New York she's a musician and sometimes it's like there are some weird looks after that <laughs> also because I used to have bright blue hair up until like a month ago and that's like a statement back home that is quite a statement I remember that yeah your hair is like back is it's natural yeah natural I'm just oh natural, natural just a regular human yeah <laughs> I'm just normal now it's not as fun but tell me this, and I want to just touch into this a little bit, because you said just now how sometimes there's, like, weird questions. What are some of the weird questions that come up? <laughs> well, now the questions... The first question is always about Donald Trump when I go home. Oh, yeah. You know, because everyone in the world is like, what is up with that? So I get I've, asked about that. I haven't been back to England since that happened, but I'm dreading when I have to go back, and that comes up, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really bizarre, but let's not get into politics because we don't want to get sad right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the questions will be a lot about... So, like, um, for the last two years, basically, I was playing for a lot of pop artists, um, and that was just straight up my job. Like, I was on a world tour with Nate Roos, and I played guitar for him and all of this stuff. So I think that that... I remember seeing you playing for a couple of times. I saw him at Webster, somewhere else I can't remember, and Central Park. No way. And he would shred like fucking crazy. He would let you have moments. Not <laughs> yeah. let you, but more like He's you like, kind of just like, took your moments, as I remember. Well, he gave me those moments. Honestly, dude, that that man like taught me how to perform. Seriously. Oh. Like he wanted to do like the whole E Street band type thing. And it totally pushed me to like step up and be a lead guitarist. It was I'm super oh. thankful. Like he's like, Yeah, we're gonna do this Prince cover and you get three solos and like make sure you go to the front of the stage and like totally <laughs> like have the audience in the palm of your hand. So yeah, that's like totally the vibe of that show. But so the questions were where people just sometimes seem confused. I mean, including my dad at times, like he would just be like, So this is your job? Like, it's your job to play shows, and then beyond that, they're just like, and you're a guitarist? Like, it was just, I think it's hard to imagine that back home because there aren't as many, as many opportunities for that, you know? So, yeah, yeah I mean, and then just questions about the day-to-day -day and, like, just people trying to understand, like, how can you actually be a musician as your job, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's always fun to, like, give people information about that you know yeah. I mean there are just totally different opportunities here than back home I think that's what's great about being in a place like this and not just New York specifically but anywhere where there's creatives because I think like for all the like hardship and the sacrifice when you're in a place like this it just reminds you that there's a lot of like practicalities and functionalities to having a creative life things you might not have considered from the outside like you come in and you're like oh wait this could actually be a practical life to live yeah exactly it's so rad i mean even you just met one of my roommates now but a bunch of us live here and we're all musicians and everyone like that's what they do that's their job you know it's yeah. really cool to just to be able to call that your life and you know i sometimes i wonder like if i hadn't have been here if i would even believe that that is possible you know yeah. honestly i've been i've been given opportunities that i didn't even like know existed which is so wild like after i've done it i'm like what i just 
did this thing and like I like that's my job that's so weird <laughs> well you also played guitar and I think this is the last time I saw you you played guitar for Lizzie at LPX yes for a project yeah yeah how did that come about wait did I meet you there yeah oh my gosh I'm the worst it was really but it was like a good we had met prior <laughs> and now to it's that. on record it's recorded <laughs> record. no but we had met prior to that but it's always been super rushed but it was like yeah I think at this particular time, it's like a good five minutes before you went on stage. So. Okay, yeah, so I'm pretty much just like, <laughs> my mode. brain is just like <laughs> chords and lyrics and alcohol in Ooh. that moment. That's all it is. <laughs> but yeah, I've just been playing with LPX, which is such a fun gig. It's another one that really, really pushes me to my max performing. Yeah. It's like it demands a lot and because Lizzie is so phenomenal dude when you get to play for a front person who's just so energetic it like really brings out this thing in you when you're in their band you know because it's like you can't be like a stoicy, stood quiet person no. and I've played for bands sometimes where they're like okay we're cool like our thing is to look emo and like <laughs> look at our shoes and I'm like great that sounds good to me you know yeah but then there are other bands where like that's not okay and you would be fired <laughs> if you did that like you if know? you played an lpx show just stood lizzie would probably just be like what the f <laughs> she'd probably think i was like playing some prank on her and think it's funny <laughs> yeah. but then her managers would not think that's funny <laughs> yeah probably not. but that was a really good show that you did at uh, babies like i remember oh, just so like fun. yeah you know the three you've named so far actually in my probably in my top ten Really? Yeah. So, Nate, Lizzie, uh... Yeah, the Central Park one, yeah. Webster Hall, the Nate ones, and then Baby's Alright. Really? Top think, three shows ever? I think it's because they're hometown shows for the artists, so, like, you really feel the love from the audience. And it's something really special for everyone in the band, because it's like, your loved ones are there, and you get to celebrate with them before and after. It's like a really special thing, as opposed to being on tour, where it's like, you become more aware of, like, this is my job t tonight, yeah. you know? Because it does, it, it, touring can be very, like, day in, day out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it gets really repetitive. Especially if you are heading to an air, a part of the country where your music is not as popular. It's like, you have to push that much harder to get a response, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's just all, it feels a lot more natural when you're doing a hometown show, I think. That's really amazing. You know, I want to jump into your music a bit. I loved how, I love like, you, oh yeah, my music. Yeah, your music. Oh, that's the thing. I love how you talk about your music, because I did some reading about you, and I love specifically how you describe something new as a shit storm of emotions. <laughs> Tell me what it was like to finish that tune, because I feel like what's really good about that and how you described it is, like, it does feel like it's encompassing a lot, yet it does feel overall cohesive. Well, I'm happy to hear that, first of all, because <laughs> yeah. that means that the writing is working. Um, but yeah, it felt like such a like spread of emotions because um, it was so like free free flow of thought. Oh my god, I can hear my roommates yelling, and it's yeah, like I don't very distracting. It is pretty distracting. I don't think the people can hear that, but that was really funny. <laughs> if you didn't hear that on the recorder, I can't know if you can. There's just people yelling, and it was hilarious. <laughs> this is how I live. Yes. <laughs> but you were saying about shut storm of emotions. Um, yes. So because it was just written basically like on its first breaths like it just like i wrote it in under an hour basically i just played the guitar riff and sang the song and, and that's what happens which is not usually how it goes with when i'm writing songs usually i'm like chiseling away at it for a very long time mm -hmm. um and i think because of that there was all this raw emotion involved and i was in a really <clears throat> specific and like sad place in that moment when i wrote it because i i was becoming very aware of the fact that i was away 
from home for a very long time. Yeah. I had just done like nine months straight, basically, of touring. And I think Christmas had gone by where I couldn't go home. Obviously, Thanksgiving didn't go home, home being South Africa. Yeah. And um, I think I had had an argument with my parents, which was like really hard for me to deal with. And it was like centered around me not coming home and like this idea of like abandoning your home was brought up. And I think that that just really hit me hard in that moment. Because it's never an intent. No, that's not your intent, but I completely understand where someone's coming from when they say that. And it's just kind of like this moment of, well, I know what's right for me. And sometimes it doesn't feel so good for the other people in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, at the end of the day, you have to, you have to be true to yourself. So I, like, like I said, it's a shit show of emotions because it's like asking all these questions, like, did I abandon home? And if I did, can I be forgiven for it? And the, the symbolism of going back to the water is like, basically, I'm not religious at all, but somehow the word baptize seemed fit, you know, like to be uh, like cleared of all your sins, basically. So yeah. you can just do what you want. So that's yeah. basically the all encompassing feeling. It's funny you bring that up because before we hit the recorder, we talked a bit about how I used to do work with the Parlotones. And I remember something that they would bring up when I would ask about South Africa is how even if you're not religious there, the religious uh, aspects of culture could be so overt to you that you could find yourself thinking about the symbolism or certain like stories without... Like, you could feel a connection to certain stories without being religious in a certain way. I feel like when you said that about the baptism just now, it's kind yeah. of like... Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just coming through. I mean, I was raised very religiously as well. I was too. I was yeah. raised very Catholic, and it did not take at all. Yeah, yeah, and same with me, but, you know, some of the, the stories from the Bible definitely stick for me. But, um, yeah, it's not meant to be a religious reference at all. It's more just talking about... Because uh, Cape Town's has so much of a coastline, you know, that there are just like beautiful beaches everywhere. And every time I go home, I'm so excited about that. And yeah. actually, me and my aforementioned roommates yeah. always joke about me going back to the water, and that means <laughs> I'm going home. Yeah. Um, so that's why the first lyric is "Take me to the water." Actually, yeah. I can relate to what you were saying before about um, it's been. I haven't been back home since yeah. home being England. I haven't been back home since the last holiday. It's not looking like I'll be able to go this one, so I could definitely... It's not an easy thing. Yeah, so you totally know what that's like. Yeah, especially when you just... Uh, it's funny, it's been like a conversation between me and my girlfriend lately where it's like, she could tell something's wrong, but I don't like talking about the same thing over and over again. It's very much a thing of just like, as much as you get through the day, if there's something bugging you, it's always going to be in the back of your mind. So it's almost like that weird, like when you have your quiet moments, it's like, oh wait, I can't go home. Yeah. It's a very weird thing. Like. And and also, yeah, for me as a writer, that's when those things that get pushed to the back of your mind, they just come pouring out, you know, because they need it needs to be said, you know. Yeah. So that's how that song happened. Have you ever written uh, music while you were in South Africa before? Like, yeah, I have, before? but I actually have a little bit of trouble doing that because I don't have this space that we're literally sitting in right now. Yeah. I'm I'm all about like the vibe of a room. Um, this room is tiny it's basically a studio with a bed in it but it has such a good vibe and i just like i feel like i can get so much done and just totally access this creative space and the the one difficult thing for me at this point as a writer is being outside of the space and trying to access that same part of me yeah um 
when I talk to a lot of my other friends who are artists, they tend to not have the same feeling. Like they can be on the road and they can write. And I, and I do try and push myself to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or um, they go to a separate studio space or something. But I, I don't think I, I have that, that down yet. So when I go home, I also associate home with just relaxing and vacation at this point. Yeah. And um, so I think it's hard for me to go into my bedroom in my mom's house and close <laughs> the door and be like, I'm gonna write. Like something about that doesn't feel right because yeah. I'm not home that much. So I'd rather just be like hanging with the fam. But there's a sense of honesty in that because, I mean, I think there's a sense of honesty as well for people who say it works the opposite. But I feel like, like whenever I've been around musicians and they say they can write anywhere, it's always come from a place of like, not forcing, but forcing themselves to get within that mindset, which could be a difficult thing. Yeah, I think it's so different for everyone, but um, I sometimes in the past have been bad with trying to force creativity for myself, especially because I don't only write for my artist project. In fact, that is maybe 10% of the writing I do. I do a lot of other composing and it can be very tiresome to try and force creativity and I have to do that for a lot of my jobs all the time. Actually, we were just talking about that with uh, writing for ads or writing for TV or whatever, it's a tight deadline. So it's kind of like no matter where you are, I've done that on tour with a laptop in the back of a van, like writing music for like a dog food commercial, (laughs) you know? Because you're just like, I gotta be a boss right now and, and write something. But when it comes to my artist project, I want it to be this thing where it happens pretty naturally. Yeah. And I think in this room we're in right now is like, that's how it happens. And downstairs we have a really crappy old piano that I write most of my songs on. Oh, it's just that's like pretty amazing. The sound, something about like the sound of it just like sparks ideas for me. Yeah. Well, tell me this. Uh, I was going to ask you this later on, but we could bring this up now. Do you feel like the way you've grown into writing for ads or, you know, composing for like your day job, do you feel like that's at all influence how you write your own like your artist project or does it feel like a completely separate world no i wouldn't say that it's totally separate i think it has influenced my production skills more so than my writing um and it has also given me it has given me a lot more discipline that's the word i'm looking for (laughs) um because when you have to turn around really high quality music very quickly you get so much better very you know like you just are able to totally nail a vibe within like a day yeah and i think um with my artist project i will sit on something for a long time and kind of second guess it and not be sure and now i'm learning to be a lot more decisive with things so in that way it has influenced like my turnaround time now this is my second record i'm putting out the turnaround time is so much faster this time around and I'm excited about it because from here on out it's like I want to release a lot of music so that means I can't sit on it all the time and and wait you know that must feel great though knowing that like the that you have that ability not just the ability but like I've seen it a lot over the years where artists have to sit on you know singles EPs or records and I feel like there's like almost a magic of like ignoring that but that must be great knowing that like you could feel like you won't have to deal with that as much no yeah, I mean, there's always... Sorry, did I interrupt you? No, you don't, no. Okay, there's always a certain... Don't get me wrong, there's always a per- certain percentage of, like, waiting on a label or waiting for the right time to release something and lining up press and, like, trying to give your music a good shot and, like, plan things properly. Yeah. Um, but I really like that I have 
so much control over the creative process at this stage. And it's very important to me that whatever is coming out is really a, a specific chapter in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wouldn't want several years to go by after creating something, you know, yeah. because I would just want to keep growing and being like, hey, this is what's going on in my life. These are the songs that I wrote. This is relevant to me right now, you know. Yeah. You know, we talked a bit about the shows that you've done playing in other people's bands, but what's it been like playing your own solo shows? Oh my God, it's so wildly different. I can't believe it because I thought, okay, I've played like (laughs) a million shows. Yeah. This is going to be great. You know, like I'm just going to be totally natural on stage. But dude, fronting a band is tough. And (laughs) I have so much respect. I always had so much respect for the people who I played guitar for. But now it's like twofold because now I see what it's really like, you know. Um, it's the most fun I have, though. Is Once, it? The moment that I step on stage, I'm not nervous anymore, which is what most people say. Yeah. But like even like the days leading up to a solo show of mine, I'm like so nervous. Like the really? thought pops into my head, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to like go sing these songs in front of people, you know. Holy shit. And I don't feel that way at all when I play for other people, but it's so obvious why. Because there's a personal connection to this music for me, you know? So it's like, you don't want it to be, like, rejected by people or something, you know? No, that's a good point. I wonder if it's also something else. Um, I grew up quite a big fan of Oasis, and I'm a big fan of Noel Gallagher. I remember he mentioned in an interview, (laughs) probably a year or two ago, that, like, the big difference for him when he started doing his solo stuff is that he was so used to being on the side of the stage that when he would, like, do solo stuff to be at the front of the stage, it's like the directions of people's eyes became so stark to him. Like yeah. he was aware of the shift of direction to eyes to the center. And he's like, oh fuck, these people are looking at me. Do that's... you ever notice that when you're on stage? Yes, that's such a good way to describe it. It's like their eyes are like piercing now when you're the front person, you know, because when I'm a side man, it's like the sweetest gig because like you had mentioned earlier, like when I play with someone like Nate, he really gives me moments to shine. He gives me guitar solos and it's like, I'm so excited for that moment. But then I step back and I'm like, whatever, I'm gonna like pick up this towel and wipe the sweat off my face (laughs) some of my drink and like there are no repercussions here. I mean, if I have to play, obviously I wouldn't do that. But when you're the front person, man, every moment that's going by, as soon as the song ends, the audience looking at you, the band's looking at you, like everyone's like, what's next? What are we doing? And actually those moments between songs are the scariest because that's the exact kind of thing I never had to deal with before, you know? Like I would just be the one with, when I was a sideman with in-ears in and I sometimes get um, instructions through there between songs. So it's like, okay, and there's like a count off and then I know to start, you know? There's no one in my ear now giving me a count off telling me when to start. It's like you're literally the captain. Yeah. But it's been fun, and it's a challenge that I really am taking on, head, like, head-on at this point. And um, having, having to work on my voice, too, it's crazy at this age to be, like, taking lessons for something and, like, yeah. trying to get better at a thing. Do you do, like, vocal exercises before shows? Yeah. Yeah. I do them pretty much every day at this point. Oh, wow. It's really like I'm learning a new instrument, you know? That's I'm trying to get better at a new instrument. Um, so yes, it has been it's very, very different, but it's it's something that has been really exciting. I very, I very much like the feeling of progressing and getting better as a musician, so this is a very important one for me. Absolutely great. You know, there's a, song, a strong sense of poignancy when it comes to your songs. Uh, I felt this way particularly with Easy and Strange. And I feel like the thing with music for 
everyone is that like for musicians specifically it's always such a great way to expel emotions and I feel like when it comes to those songs and particularly the songs and like the EP released earlier this year do you feel like that's what you were doing within those songs expelling certain emotions you were feeling at the time or certain experiences yeah absolutely um like I said earlier sometimes most of the time with the songs when when I come up with a concept for them it's it's something that has been a nagging thought in my mind already and usually something that I have not expressed to other people. I've, I've actually heard other artists say this before, that sometimes it's your only way to get that out, to get that message out, you know. So something like yeah. <clears throat> the song Easy, I've never given many details about it when I play it live, but it is about uh, a really tough relationship that I was in that would like come to an end and then start up again and come to an end. It was this super confusing thing in my life because when I tell the story, I'm like, that's so stupid. Like, why would you break up and then get back together and then break up and like ha do this dance for like years and years? But so many people, I was just talking about someone else about this today on another episode, uh, Person James, really good musician. We're talking mm -hmm. about breakups and how it's crazy how almost all those types of things, especially what you just described, is so normal. Mm -hmm. for all of us to go through but you rarely hear us talk about it exactly people. because there's I, I don't want to put words in other people's mouths but for me there's some shame tied up in it you know it's like as I'm telling you the story I'm like oh it's so obvious that that's not healthy yeah. you know um, but I had to come I had to come to terms with that on my own and the song the song easy is like you know it says um I know you say you'll make us um, Manhattans, I know by sunrise I'll be saying let me down easy. It's like, I, lo I love being with this person so much, but I know that by the time the sun comes up, like by the time a day goes by, that I'm gonna be like, this is a mistake because we don't work, you know? Yeah. So I, I needed to get that out. And then Strange was a song that I wrote a very long time ago, back in college, the first time that I fell in love with someone. And then for it to come out like years later after the relationship is done was also like kind of a bizarre thing, you know? Yeah. But I, I really wanted to, it's like an ode to that moment in my life where you're like, whoa, like I'm actually in love. Like this thing is like all encompassing, you know? Yeah. So it's cool that, again, that you just, you know, like I said, I want to like pinpoint a very specific chapter in my life. And I feel like I was able to do that. I feel like naturally, considering what you're, the way you're describing all that, it hasn't, like, because you've been writing forever, I'm sure it hasn't felt like you could always write songs within this way. When do you, do you feel like there was a specific shift when you became more comfortable writing about your experiences and your feelings, or do you feel like maybe that's something you've always done, it's just kind of evolved within um, the progression? So it's something that I've always done, which actually, this is a good question, because um, I don't think it's clear to other people, maybe, because most people know me as an instrumentalist or playing for other people or composer but I've written songs forever like ever since I could play a guitar yeah. like ever since I was like my stepdad's mean and wrote like <laughs> songs, you know like literally I was always writing but I think having the confidence to bring that to other people and to show people all sides of yourself like to show them your mistakes and all the ugliness in your life and like that is so tough and it took me a really long time like when the strange EP came out in March I was so goddamn nervous you know because yeah. I was just like I can't believe 
I'm gonna tell people these things, you know, like haunting came out and I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like, this is embarrassing to me that there's like, a, and like the dude who it's about, like knew it was about him too. And it's like, oh, it's just wild to, to make such personal odds and then share it with people. But it's, so to answer your question, I was always writing and now I'm just becoming more confident and also just giving less fucks as time goes on about what people think. So I'm just like, here it is. <laughs> well, going into that a bit more, I want to ask. I want to ask you specifically about the song uh, "What We Had" because I feel like what's very interesting about that song, and I always wonder this with musicians, is that like the lyrics and the way that song progresses, it's very candid. But I feel like as the person who wrote that song, I feel like after writing it and after recording it, I, like there must have been a sense of surprise that you were even able to write those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what we had was written after uh, like many months of not really being able to write at all. Really? Yeah, because I I was on a world tour at that point with Nate, so I wasn't really able to write. And then I came back home and I just sat down to mess around with some stuff. I was also going through a really tough time because I sometimes get really bad post-tour depression, which is more like, I feel like when people say that, it's more in like a joking way, but it yeah. actually is a real thing. Yeah. When you get back home and you're like, I don't have a schedule, I don't have someone telling me what to do, and it's yeah. like, it affects you very strangely, psychologically. I've dealt <clears> with, uh, po I've, I've done touring a bit, I've dealt with post-tour guilt depression in the sense yeah. that like, this is gonna sound so bad. I, I've, actually, no, I think something. I've never been on tour and felt homesick. Yeah. And then to the point where when I come back, I almost want to jump back into a tour so bad because it's like I don't feel. It's like I almost have to re get so re like reused to being back where it's like yeah. oh I don't I don't care about being back. And it's uncomfortable, right? And yeah. like that was my feeling. And I loved New York. It was just like I had such a regimen, and I had felt like a family that I was traveling with all the exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. And I had just gotten a new apartment, I moved in with someone who I didn't know, um, and I was living in Williamsburg, and I really felt like my friends in the community here, pre me going on tour for yeah. like a year straight, yeah. had just continued without me, and I experienced something similar. I went on a tour uh, for about three months, but like right before I went on that tour, I signed an apartment, and yeah. then the next week I was on a tour, and then I got back, it was just like... Oh, I signed for this place. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> it's bizarre. It was like, all of a sudden, it was like, here I am, and I didn't have any more tours lined up, so I was like, I need to do something. I was like, maybe I could do this, like, songwriting thing, you know? I mean, I always loved writing songs. But anyway, so that's when what we had came out, and um, it's very specific imagery because it's all a true story. And that's, not everything I write is something that actually happened to me. But my favorite songs are the ones that are true stories because it's like, I couldn't make this shit up. Like, this actually happened, you know? Like, yeah. everything in there, like, talking about taking cabs late at night and black snow and, like, mistletoe and all these things. Like, a lot of people think that song's about a relationship, and that's totally fine because everyone's gonna get something different out of the music. Yeah. But the song is about a band that I used to play in in college. And, oh. yeah. I, I too thought it was about a relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh. it's about a band. So, all of that imagery is about this band Helicopra who I, who I played for. It was my band in college that I played guitar in and we had a front woman who I'm still very good friends with, Surma, Turkish front woman. Yeah. Um, so it was it was all about them and I think that, that that came out in that moment because I was feeling really lost and I was try trying to remember really good times in music and like yeah. very collaborative, like loving times. And to be in a band at that time in your life, I mean like, 
that in itself is a relationship just considering how much it demands of you exactly that's why I feel like people think it's a relationship and then I say oh it's actually about a band <laughs> and maybe to them that seems kind of silly or something but that was one of the most hectic relationships I've ever had in my life you know with three other people add <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, after and a horrible breakup at the end, you know. Was it a horrible breakup? At yeah, the end? unfortunately. Oh no! I've Two out of the four of us decided to be solo artists, so you know. That says a lot, right? There. The front woman and the lead guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tell me what's because we talked about New York a fair bit before I hit the recorder, and even after we hit the recorder. But like, tell me, like, what do you feel has surprised you the most about coming here to do music? Like being a musician <clears> here. Like, what's it been like finding like? You know, you mentioned how your roommates are all musicians. What's mm -hmm. it been like finding that like community? It's been really amazing. The overarching feeling is um, of being grateful, and and that it's super fun. But I mean, it is such a. <clears throat> there are really strong ups and downs, of course, with being a musician here. I would say that the number one thing that surprised me is exactly how hard it is because I think I've always considered myself to be a hard worker, I've always been a total nerd, yeah. always did well in school, I did well in college, but I was in no way prepared for how difficult it actually is. Um, and to actually, I really respect an artist who can live in a city like this and can make a living and take care of themselves and have a roof over your head because it's, you have to be really good at so many things. Yeah. So I think the thing that surprised me was like, I moved here, I was going to be a composer, I did that, and I, I started writing for film and TV and, and movies and all this stuff, and um, once I decided that that is not the life that I wanted to have, I was forced to find other avenues to make a living, and I, I just didn't realize how many hats I would have to wear, you know? Yeah, and it feels like, I mean, as someone who could definitely relate within that regard I feel like as the years go on it's almost like the requirement of different hats you need just grows <laughs> yeah it's so like a room full of hats <laughs> what is it they say like a <laughs> jack of all trades it's like that like I feel like within New York that saying doesn't feel special because it's like we all have to be that weirdly yeah exactly and of course I, I think as time goes on you can narrow things down a little bit which I've been able to do it feels great to be able to say no to certain things That's you very know true. and to get real with yourself and be like you know what are the priorities what do I want to be really good at which is what I've been able to do now but um, yeah it takes a lot of perseverance you, you have to be super resilient which I think is actually just a moral for the music industry in general yeah. all of my heroes their stories are just like yeah, like I had no success for a long time and they weren't by no like the overnight success stories are amazing to witness. Yeah. But they do not inspire me because I'm like, what about the rest of us where like we have to just believe in it for so long and then yeah. you know, then it happens eventually. Some of the most inspiring people I've ever been around, I've done a lot of work with the French band Phoenix over mm -hmm. the years and uh, yeah, for a lot of people listening who might be vaguely familiar with them, they were a band for over a decade before they had any recognition back in 2009 with their album Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. And I, did, I started doing work with them after that happened with the explosion and everything. But what blew me away from working with them is that they're such insanely humble people and you can tell that despite achieving the success they've achieved, they don't see themselves any different than they did before that. Mm -hmm. And that, that means a lot to me in the sense that like, yeah, you've, you're a success story, but you 
know you need to be more than that. Yeah, exactly. I love that when you meet someone where they're just so humbled, you know, even though all this crazy stuff is going on. Because that's not always the case. Sometimes there are overnight successes, and then sometimes there are people who really struggled for a long time and then became successful, and then they lose perspective. Yeah. And that's a difficult kind of artist to be around. That is very true. Because they, like, have forgotten what it's like for the rest of us, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know? Yeah. Get me my uh, bowl of only green Skittles. Yeah, oh my god. I would actually pay to see someone do that though. Like, but, like that would be a funny thing to watch. I've never been around anything that bad before, <laughs> luckily. So, before we sign off, um, you have like a reimagined EP that's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. And from what I read about it, it's going to be a bit more stripped back in context of the EP released earlier this year. But I do know it's going to have like some strings on it, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to have, like, tell me about. Like, what was it like making this happen? Like, what was the inspiration and what was, like, the execution like making this happen? Because this is actually something really special. Oh, well, yeah, it's it's very dear to me and I'm glad that it's actually happening. It's actually so cool that it's coming out. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I had an idea and I made it and it's happening. Because that doesn't always... Who would it's not thought? always how it goes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It's usually like, can I find enough time to make this happen? <laughs> but I did and I'm so glad. And the inspiration was that I put out the Strange EP in March. And then, of course, there were conversations about more content and, like, did I want to get remixes made? Um, I have nothing against remixes, but at this point in my life, I just was following my following my intuition. <clears throat> and I decided that the remix thing was not something I wanted to pursue at yeah. this stage. And so I came to, the, uh, to my label, Sleepwell Records, with the idea of instead of getting remixes, what if I did a reimagined version of the EP and I kind of showed this other face of it, just the other side Mm -hmm. and I also want, I thought it would be a good way to bring together kind of my composer side of writing and my the indie pop like dancey songwriter thing um, because I've been wanting to like marry those two things for a while so I told them you know this is the idea it'll be more minimal, there'll be more emphasis on the lyrics and the melody and it's gonna be really kind of like stripped back and super intimate, you know. So, um, ended up being a lot of piano and string quartet, and it's all like if you hear it, like the inspirations are pretty clear because yeah. I'm like obsessed with John Bryan and Thomas Newman and all these composers. And oh, Thomas Newman's a fucking legend. Oh my god, so I'm in yeah. no way saying that I can <laughs> touch what that man does, but like. It was just so fun for me to, like, I brought this idea to them and they were so, the label was so excited about it and I was like, wow, okay, cool, I'm, I'm gonna do it. And um, it's fun for me to go into unknown territory. Yeah. You know, how are people gonna receive this? How is this gonna do with, with it being released and distribution and how are we gonna pitch this? And it's just super exciting to just experiment with things. Um, I made it all in this bedroom and I played everything on it, and I think it was just like a really fun, like special experience for me. Yeah. And um, I was actually in the middle of writing the brand new record for next year that'll come out, mm-hmm. um, and I just hit pause on that and made the Reimagine EP, and now I'm back to making the other record, you know? Whoa, what was it like doing that though? Do you feel like some of that like inspirational residue from doing the Reimagine EP is gonna bled into like this album you're making? Definitely. Like, I think that stopping to do the Reimagine EP was very healthy for my writing. It's um, <clears throat> Sometimes I lose perspective when I'm working on a record mm-hmm. because I just hear something too much and then I just like 
get cotton ball ears and I can't hear things properly anymore. So it was really good to step away. Um, And then now that I'm going back to them, it's like, oh, it's clear what I need to do with the song. It's, and also I I got, like I said earlier, every time I work on a bunch of projects, like my my turnaround time is much faster and I'm just better at producing something. Um, So in that way, definitely inform the EP that's about to happen um, yeah it was great I think it's really healthy to like take a step back sometimes what was it like I mean that's gonna be the last question I ask you because <laughs> I'm very curious but like what was it like to listen back to the reimagined EP like when it was done and along with that what's it like for you in general when you listen back do you feel like what do you feel when you listen back to music you've made? That's such a good question. So usually by the time I'm done with something, like it's been mixed and mastered, and for the Reimagine EP, I mixed it, so I lived with it for a very long time. Holy shit. The first EP I did not mix, so just to give people an idea of like how much you actually hear something. Yeah. By the time it's done, honestly, I, I don't want to come near that shit. Like, I don't want to <laughs> listen to it at all. I should, I, we should probably add as well, for people listening <laughs> who might be unaware of the portion of mixing uh, that goes into recording, basically it's like, I mean, it's fair to say the editing process or polishing. Yeah, polish. it's making it sound great. Yeah, pretty much everything you listen to goes through mixing and it takes a very long time typically to make it get to that point. Yes. So the fact that you mixed it yourself, holy shit. Because <laughs> the fun part is making it, yeah. you know, and then usually it's like, oh, I'm going to send this off to a mix engineer and it's their problem, they'll make it sound good. So I lived with it for a long time. My roommate, who you just met, mastered it. So it was very much an in-house DIY thing. Nice. So by the time it was done, it was just like, I want to listen to anything but this. <laughs> but now that I've been like um, sending it to people and, and getting a response, and it's interesting to, to see it take on a life when it's out there. Like yeah. something new, it, that song uh, came out on Friday. and now there are like conversations about it and it's not just mine and it belongs to other people so once there's that interaction then i start listening to it again because yeah. i'm like part of the conversation but it's really special to me to listen to it and it it means something very significant to me that i made it happen because i want to be the kind of artist that can just have an idea to do something and follow through and not have someone be like well, that's not like a good strategic business move or you have to wait long enough to put out whatever and that's not what's trending right now. It's like, I mean, who maybe you cares, should consider dude? demographic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I'm sure those kinds of conversations will always happen Yeah. and I'm not like talking shit on music business because I am very business minded. Yes. But at the end of the day, like if you're an artist, you should be able to make something that intrigues you. And so when I listen to it now, it's just like, it's cool that I did that. And I can't wait to do it again with the next thing. And also I'm just excited for like, what are the possibilities from here on out? Like I can make anything, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Well, thanks for chatting with me today. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Of breaking rules like I'm 15 and-